Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the We Love Moms Fantasy Football Podcast. It was wild card week this past week, and certainly was wild. Um, a lot of exciting games, a lot of things to talk about. Uh, I'm joined with my good friend, Dana Zach. What's going on, Dana? Hey man, pleasure to be here. It's two, It's Wednesday, usually get it done on Tuesday, but we had a little bit of a main break at a, a water main break here in Brunswick, so... Um, one of my faucets started leaking, so I had to replace that today, yesterday and today. So that's why I was not uh, – we did not do it yesterday, but I'm glad to be here today, and let's get it going. Water main breaks aren't all bad. I didn't have school today, um, so <laughs> nice. Got the day off. Uh, yeah, I had some of my own problems with some car issues, but it is what it is. We're here to talk fantasy football. Let's get to it. Um, the first game of the weekend was uh, – the Seahawks at the 49ers. Um, this is where I was ranting last week of too many divisional first round playoff matchups, but uh, it is what it is. The 49ers come away with a 41 to 23 victory, although it was pretty close uh, in the first half. Um, the Seahawks actually had a lead going into halftime, but uh, the 49ers just were too much for them in the long run. Seahawks only scored six points in the second half. Um, and really, this 49ers team, they keep getting, you know, adversity thrown at them. They're on their third-string quarterback. Um, yeah, things didn't look like it, were going, it was going well on offense, but uh, they they just seem to be quarterback-proof. I think they have the best coach in football. But, Dana, tell us a little bit about uh, what you think about this 49ers offense, about Brock Purdy, um, who – the start of this year, I don't think any of us. There's always those names that come out of nowhere. He certainly was one of those names, kind of thrown into the spotlight, and he's answered. Uh, and then the Seahawks. Now that their season's over, heading into next season, um, do you think Geno Smith is going to be their quarterback of the future? And then, if he is, um, do you like this offense moving forward with the likes of DK Metcalf and Ken Walker the third? Um, yeah, in regards to San Fran, um, with Brock Purdy starting, I, I think he did very serviceable this week. And the fact that, you know, this was a really big game for him to come in and win. Um, you know, they started off with Trey Lance, which they they paid a lot for to get him in the draft. And then he ended up getting hurt for the year. Then they signed Jimmy G as a backup, basically. And then he came in and started. He was like for them. Um and then he went and got himself hurt. So, you know, I'm really curious to see as to what they're going to do next year um, and, you know, um, answer it afterwards. But, like, Brock Purdy, like, if he wins another game and he makes it to, you know, the, the Super Bowl or even if he wins the Super Bowl, like, if Trey Lance is healthy, it's got to be hard for you to want to come away from Brock Purdy after you had just won. Or, you know, if you make it that far, do you then give the reins over to Trey Lance to see what he could do? Um, but this offense, it looks, um, you know, as I've, I've talked about before on the podcast, it's very quarterback friendly, 18 for 30, three touchdowns. The, the way Shanahan runs the offense makes it really, really good for any quarterback that comes in there. I mean, especially when you go and get Christian McCaffrey, 15 carries only like that's not a lot of carries. He got 119 yards on the ground, which is awesome. I mean, that's exactly what you want from him. So, you know, in fantasy regards for next year, <clears throat> Christian McCaffrey has got to be a number overall pick. Um, the only thing that I, I, I'm not worried about, but um, that might cut into is Elijah Mitchell a little bit. Um, you know, this being the playoffs is a little bit different. He only had nine carries, but on his first game back, he scored a touchdown last week. 
um, or not the, the previous week before the playoffs. So, you know, that might be something that they also do give Christian McCaffrey most of the carries and most of the receptions. And honestly, I think having someone like Elijah Mitchell, if he can stay healthy to take some of the load off of Christian McCaffrey, I think will benefit uh, McCaffrey's health in the long run. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a stud. Absolutely. Um, Debo, the offense looks great. The defense looks really good too. So, you know, they allowed 17 points in the second quarter, but in the first and third, they gave up no points. And then in the fourth, they only gave up six. So this, this defense is legit with Nick Bosa leading them there. Um, they're, they're fun to watch because any play, any and every play could turn deadly into an interception or a uh, forced fumble or everything like that. So um, I did get to watch this game and it was fun to watch. Um, so, you know, going forward, I like the, I, I like San Francisco and I think they have a, a legitimate shot at winning as long as Brock Purdy continues to play um, this way, like the way that he has. Now with Seattle, um, I love Ken Walker. I think he's going to be great. Um, with the and uh, Chris Carson getting hurt and, you know, calling it quits. I think this is Kenneth Walker's job to lose next year. So we'll see what happens if uh, Rashad Penny decides he's going to come back and they bring him back to Seattle. And if he takes, if he cuts into the carries, but um, even, you know, against the 49ers really stout defense, he had 15 carries, 63 yards and a touchdown. And, you know, fantasy wise, that's what you're looking for every week is, is that kind of performance. Obviously you want a little bit more, but um, not bad. And Seattle receiving, I was very, very um, shocked to see how well DK Metcalf did. And they, they fed him the ball and that's exactly what they need to do every single game. 13 targets. He had two touchdowns this game. Like it's DK Metcalf is a really big body, a really big target. And they signed him to a long-term contract. So um, this offense I believe is going to be fun to watch, but I think that they're going to need to do something about their defense. They're going to have to bolster it a little bit if they want to um, continue to play the way they have and make it potentially make it further in the playoffs next year. Um, one thing I think is really um, I'm genuinely curious about is going to be Geno Smith, because I think he played extremely well this year. Oh, a different route. I, I don't, I don't fault them for it because, you know, at that point you're going to want, you may, might want to draft a quarterback and go a little bit younger, maybe get somebody who can be the future, you know, for years and years to come, like a, you know, like your franchise quarterback. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I see Gino as a, a franchise quarterback, but I'm really, really impressed with the way he's played. And I think that even if he doesn't get a starting job here in Seattle, he might be able to get a starting job somewhere else, even if it's like um, in Carolina um, that's the first place that came to mind, but he's a legitimate quarterback. He's a good player. And other than his interception, he, he played pretty well. He had 253 yards on 35 attempts. And that's, you know, being the underdog in this game, the fact that they were leading at halftime, I was very impressed with, with them as a, a unit. So um, I think Pete Carroll's doing a good job there in Seattle, and I'm excited for uh, years to come. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see Pete Carroll because he is the oldest coach in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so how much longer he's going to continue to coach. He seems young. He seems spry. He seems excited to coach. He seems like a real player's coach. Um, certainly someone that if I was in the NFL, I want to play for a coach like that. Um, he, he jumps into to drills and doesn't let his age affect him whatsoever. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a he's a funny guy, and I actually saw a video of like some of his sideline comments and antics, and he jokes around with the refs, and he's he's a really funny guy and someone that I think the players respect a ton. 
But yeah, I kind of agree with you with the Geno Smith. They have the fifth pick in the draft, and you know, I feel like because of the Broncos. Yes, and there are a few big names that could be there for them, uh, and they got to think about their future. Geno Smith is thirty-two years old, um, and you know, even after the game, they asked Geno, like, "Do you want to come back?" Like you said, of course, but it, it's going to be a, a business decision, and he understands that. You know, the Seahawks are going to have to make their business decision, and frankly, he's going to have to make his too. He's earned a big contract, and I'm just not sure Seattle's going to be willing to pay that. However, there are going to be teams out there that will be ones that think they're contenders and all they're missing is a, a starting quarterback. Um, he, he could slide right in. And if he does, you know, anywhere close to what he did this year, you know, he could take a team to the playoffs yet again. I mean, this Seattle team clearly was not ready to be a playoff team, but how well he played and how well, you know, Kenneth Walker played and the defense actually played better than they were expected to be. So, you know, a lot of overperformances, which I think in the future, um, for them, if, if they if they truly want to build it right, um, they, they can't invest in a 32 year old quarterback. So, personally, I think he'll find somewhere else to go, uh, and and they'll draft whoever they can get at five and and ride the ship um, with this their their new franchise quarterback this year. So, do you do you think? Um... Do you think it would be worth if Gino was willing to stay for a decent price to draft a quarterback at five and then have him play behind or learn behind Gino for a year, get himself under the ropes, and then it, let him take would, over? Yeah, it would have to be like Gino's willing to sign a one-year deal. Like he kind of tested the waters of free agents, didn't get the deal that he wanted, and you know decided, well, comfortability, I'm going to stay in Seattle and you know see what I can do here. And you know that's for me. I, I feel like he again, could be one of the comeback players of the year. Um, and he probably will get a three, four year contract and, and get paid a pretty penny. So um, we'll see. But I mean, if I'm Seattle, I would love to have him. But I think at five, you take the best player available. And if that's a quarterback, <coughs> so be it. And if he's ready to play right away, great. If not, it takes a year to learn behind Gino. And, and that's that. But we'll see. Uh, you know, Brock Purdy, I, I just think he's been so impressive. What are your thoughts about San Francisco's quarterback situation heading into next year? I mean, is this Trey Lance's team? I mean, he, he really didn't play that well when he had the starting job. Clearly, he got hurt early on, um, and they did invest a ton of capital into him and a ton of money into him. Um, but, I mean, if Brock Purdy is leading into the promised land – Let's say Brock Purdy goes and wins the Super Bowl with 49ers. How can you tell this guy he's not going to be your starting quarterback next year? Yeah, I think that's a hard decision that San Francisco is going to have to make depending on how far he goes into the playoffs. So, like, if they, if they lose this week, which we'll talk about the matchup, like, if they lose this week, I think you can – I think you you can justify it to yourself, you know, as the, as the coaching staff. Like, hey, we're going to go with Trey Lance because we spent so much – you know, draft capital on him to get him or to, to move up to get him. Um, and so I, I honestly, I mean, to me personally, regardless, I think you kind of have to um, like, look at the Russell Wilson situation. Like you paid so much to go get Russell Wilson and, you know, year one, it didn't work out. And maybe it was the way that Hackett was running the offense. Cause you know, Russell did look decent the last few weeks. So maybe it was the way the offense was ran or what was going on in the locker room, the building, regardless, 
you know, you paid a lot to get them. So like you, I, I feel like you kind of have to. And if you decide to go, you know, the Brock Purdy route, I don't think anybody blames you, but then, you know, it doesn't look like a good investment on the Trey Lance part because of how much you paid for him. So um, I, I personally think that unless they win the Super Bowl, um, then I, I would, I mean, you almost have to consider Brock Purdy as your starter, but if they don't, um, I think that they will go back to Trey Lance. That's just personal, personally. I, I feel like one of those two will get traded in the off season. I mean, if, if they really like Brock Purdy and think that he can develop into a starting NFL quarterback and continue to get better, why not try and deal Trey Lance for anything you can get and then vice versa? I mean, if you think Trey Lance is the guy of the future, Brock Purdy's done a really good job showing what he can do at the NFL level, and there are plenty of quarterback-hungry teams that would be willing to pay you know, more than what you invested in them as the very last pick of the draft. So, Absolutely. Uh, who do you think, you know, at this point in both of their careers with Trey Lance coming off injury next year, assuming he's going to be healthy, we don't know. Um, and, you know, the way Brock Purdy's been playing as Mr. Relevant, who do you think is worth more? Like if they were to try to trade him, who do you think would get more draft stock? I think Trey Lance would um, just because of his height. Yeah, I, would, I would agree with you. Yeah. It, you know, I think they're not going to get what they put into him. So that's, that's what you have to weigh is like, if you traded Brock Purdy, you're going to get more than what you, you know, if you trade Trey Lance, you're not going to get as much. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, it's, I'm glad I'm not the GM in San Francisco. That's John Lynch's job to figure out. So, um, but I mean, they always put a good team on the, on the field and I think they couldn't go wrong either direction. So we'll just have to see the later game on Saturday was one of the wildest NFL games I've ever witnessed. And that was the Los Angeles chargers traveling to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. Um, it was 27 to seven at halftime chargers and somehow the Jaguars come back and win this game 31 to 30. Um, it is a comedy of errors. There were a lot of mistakes in this game, um, including Trevor Lawrence throwing four interceptions in the first half and then going and throwing four touchdowns. Um, so <laughs> it just shows you uh, his persistence, his un- you know, willingness to uh, fight until the very end. You got to give it to him, but um, showed his promise as a you know franchise quarterback. So I think Jacksonville is in good hands with Trevor Lawrence. This is someone that I think heading into next year could potentially be a top six or seven quarterback because of his potential on his legs, because of his, you know, big arm potential. He threw 47 times in this game. You know, clearly they were down for most of the game, so he, they had to play catch up. But to throw four touchdowns, you're getting Calvin Ridley in that offense next year. I really like Trevor Lawrence heading into next year as as he's going to take another step forward, I think, um, in terms of being a fantasy uh, useful quarterback. I mean, it's it's ironic because maybe a month or two ago, he was on the waiver wires in a lot of leagues, like wasn't doing very well. And then Jacksonville turned it around at the, the season and uh, showed their, their true potential. So along with that, you know, Travis Etienne continues to develop into – what I think will probably be a first round pick next year. And in, in most drafts, I mean, to have 20 carries 109 yards, but also his, his ability to catch passes out of the backfield, any PPR league is going to value that a little bit more, it, you know, on the podcast I was listening to today, we, you know, we've 
talked a lot about Dalvin Cook and how he's kind of gone downhill a little bit. He's heading into his late 20s. They were saying, you know, who would you rather have, Travis Etienne or Dalvin Cook next year? And they said, Travis Etienne. Who would you rather have between him and Ken Walker? And I said, Ken Walker. So, you know, I think it's a changing of the guard across the NFL where you're starting to get these new young backs that are going to take over the reins of the the old guys, um, the Derrick Henrys. The, you know, they're, they're obviously still going to have value, Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry. Um, but they might be overdrafted just because their name recognition, you know, and, and the likes of Travis Etienne, the likes of Ken Walker might slip because people aren't willing to invest um, in those young uh, running backs that haven't necessarily um, proven it year after year after year. But the shelf life of running back is so short. You got to invest um, when the time's right. I mean, when they're in their young twenties, mid twenties, that that's the time to go out and, and hope for a big season, you know, and then you look at the Chargers side of things. Like, I don't know how you can look yourself in the mirror. If you're the Los Angeles Chargers um, after this game, you clearly had it in your hands. You're dominating defense, completely shut down Trevor Lawrence in the first half. And he just didn't put him away. This is, I mean, a lesson that you cannot let teams hang around because if you do, this kind of thing happens. And uh, frankly, Justin Herbert, you know, big name, had a really good rookie season, a lot of excitement around this guy. I don't know if he's really lived up to it. And, and, you know, maybe it's just a a down year for him. I don't think it was his best year. Keenan Allen was out for most of the year, so one of his top targets. Um, So that might have played a factor. But I think he might slip a little bit in drafts. And I guess my question to you, Dana, would you rather draft Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert? Who would you take first in next year's draft um, between those two guys? Um, Honestly, I think it would depend on, um, you know, it's like, honestly, I would be happy with either of them because I think Justin Herbert has a lot of potential. um, And I think he just did not have a good year. Um, So, you know, the hope is that next year he does much better and turns it around. And, Trevor Lawrence did not do well the first half of the year or, or so as from a fantasy quarterback perspective, and then really turned it on, you know, later into the year in the playoff runs other than a few games, of course. Um, so I think it would all depend on, you know, who all is available and, you know, where we're looking, where, where the draft's at. Um, like, let's just say those are the best two quarterbacks available. And we're at like the mid rounds where I'm not, where I'm like ready to pick a quarterback. Um <laughs> I think that would be tough, but I, I think I would still personally go with Justin Herbert. Um, I do. I love Trevor Lawrence a lot. Um, and maybe it is just a, a name value thing from Herbert, but I love that, that Los Angeles chargers offense when they're clicking. Um, I think that Austin Eckler is uh, amazing. I think he's got really good weapons on the outside when again, Keenan Allen's healthy when uh, Josh Palmer is playing well. And then when you have Mike Williams, um, I like the offense a lot. Um, I think that they're very similar, but um, I think if, if, if those are the two best available quarterbacks, um, it, it would, for me, it would come down to roster construction. Like I like a stack. So like if I went and got like Evan Ingram, I would probably pick Trevor Lawrence. Um, but if, if that weren't the case, I think I would personally go with Justin Herbert and I'll be very surprised, not surprised, but I'll be, I'm very intrigued to see where the, the fantasy rankings have them at, at the start of the next season, like when drafts come around. 
Yeah, I think they'll be very close. Um, I think they're both top ten quarterbacks heading. Yeah, to- I was I was going to say the same thing. Probably eight or nine, nine ten around that range. Yeah. I think at the latter half of the ten, but definitely I think both of them will be rated as top ten quarterbacks. Yeah, and looking at the Jacksonville pass catchers, you bring up Evan Ingram. He is a free agent. Um, the expectation is that he he will resign. You got to uh, pay him. Yeah, but that's the thing. You're going to have to pay this man. He he's earned it. Um, you know, Absolutely. he had a struggle few struggled years in, in New York um, before heading down here to Jacksonville, but he's really kind of rekindled the flame of his career. And um, the, the question that I'm, you know, I'm looking way into the future here, but you have Christian Kirk, you have Zay Jones, you then have Calvin Ridley and you add that to the, the picture and you have Evan Ingram. There's only so many targets out there. Do one of these guys, um, kind of fall to the wayside when Calvin Ridley steps in. The expectation is that he's probably the most skilled receiver in their in their wide receiver core. Um, Christian Kirk would probably be a close second. So does Zay Jones, does his fantasy value drop? I mean, he had 13 targets in this game. That was second most all receivers. Seems like there's a real connection there between Trevor Lawrence Obviously, we're not going to know until we see the product on the field, but do you have any feelings on that? Um, yeah, honestly, what I think, and I, I do like Marvin Jones Jr. a lot, um, but I just think he's getting older. So um, to be honest with you, just um, as you were talking, I was just looking at the targets, <clears throat> and what I could see happening is if Calvin Ridley comes back and he plays like he did when he was in Atlanta, like extremely well, because he's a really tall, really big body receiver. So I think that he might be, you know, he could slide into that like number one role there um, just because if he starts, if he gets going, he could jump over people and get plenty of carries and he could be that deep ball guy. Um, So what I think happens is um, I think, you know, I think Evan Ingram and Christian Kirk will both still get theirs. What I think happens is honestly, I think Marvin Jones gets phased out. I think he might get, you know, kind of like a an Adam Thielen role who has a few big games. He gets like two to three, four targets. Um, but I think the two people that I think could get hurt the most are going to be Marvin Jones and Zay Jones um, with Calvin Ridley coming back, assuming that Calvin Ridley comes back and is playing at 110%. Because, um, you know, he could come in and it could be like a Kenny Galladay kind of situation where he starts playing a little bit and he plays kind of well and then just kind of falls off. And then it doesn't really progress into anything, you know, and with him being out of football for so long, it's, it could definitely happen. Um, but I don't think, I, I, I think, top, I think Evan Ingram's top five tight end, probably fifth, um, maybe sixth, even like if you want to get, depending if we were to write everybody out. Um, but I think he's, he's up there. I think Christian Kirk is still going to be a top 20 wide receiver. And like I said, I think Zay Jones and Marvin Jones get the biggest hit out of all those. Cause like Zay Jones kind of came out of nowhere this year and really play, and played really well for them. And maybe the chemistry stays and Calvin Ridley just doesn't fit with these, you know, these. and so uh, it's kind of hard to speculate, but that's, I think that that's where I'm at just from, from looking at it. Yeah. And to finish this game off, in my opinion, and I'm just a 28 year old teacher from Ohio, but I, <laughs> feel like Brandon Staley probably needs to go. Uh, and, and at this point, they have not fired him. Um, he, they did fire their offensive co- coordinator. Um, so maybe he's going to be the fall guy, kind of like the Browns did with Joe Woods. But um, 
and maybe they'll get another half season to see what he can do. I mean, they did go 10 and seven, but to lose your playoff game when you're up at halftime, that score, you know, that's, that's really tough. That's really tough, but we'll see that, you know, the Jaguars are going into Kansas city next week. So we'll talk about that matchup here in a little bit. The Sunday matchup, the one that probably surprised me the most was actually the first one, and that was the Bills and Dolphins. Um, 34-31 Bills, you know, Dolphins on their third-string quarterback, um, just like the 49ers. They're on Skylar Thompson. Um, So the expectation was the Bills would kind of just walk all over the Dolphins, and they really didn't. Um, So my first question to you is, do you think that's – more on the bills like does that worry you that the bills are not as big and as spectacular as everyone thinks they are or do you think you know we should give credit to the dolphins where the dolphins played the best that they possibly could they came up a little bit short they made some mistakes down the stretch especially on their last drive um and do you think maybe the dolphins are better than what most people were giving them credit for so in regards to the bills um you know this game kind of um i don't know if i'd say scared me um because you know the bills still did put up 34 points but they were 14 point favorites here against miami and the fact that they won and only by three um was very shocking to me but this this was a fun game to watch um honestly if buffalo plays the exact same way they did and miami has um miami has two to play i honestly think that this is we're talking a different we're singing a different song. I think Miami wins this game if Buffalo plays that way and, and, and Tua does play. So, um, you know, and in, in regards to the Buffalo bills, like Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis did exactly what they, they needed to do both over honor yards. Gabe caught the touchdown. Stefan didn't, but these are the, like, these are the plays. These are the guys that you need to perform in the playoffs. And they did, um, you know, just the overall, the fact that it looked like Miami really had Josh Allen's number with the seven sacks they had and two interceptions. And, you know, with, with Josh Allen being a little bit mobile, he is a little bit more susceptible to taking those sacks, you know, potentially trying to make his way to scramble out, you know, and then it counting as a sack or trying to, you know, trying to make a play in the pocket when it breaks down. Um, you know, so I, I am really excited to see them play against Cincy this week. Uh, Cause I think that'll be a great game, but they need to play better than this if they want to beat Cincinnati. And um, you know, I'm really curious to see if they do Um, a little bit of fantasy uh, news for next year. And I was talking to Colin a little bit before we started the podcast, you know, this Buffalo backfield, we've talked about them every week. Like I don't want any part of them going forward. Like Devin Singletary wise, like if you want to get James Cook a little bit later in the draft, I think that that might be someone that could emerge as a number one and could take over the lead role here. Kind of like Deontay Foreman did when, Christian McCaffrey got traded, but James Cook, he took most of the carries. He was, he wasn't as efficient, but it almost looked like every time I watched the game that James Cook was out there on the field, whether he was pass blocking or running a route. I know he didn't get many targets and I think he got one or two targets and didn't catch any of them, but he was out there for a lot of the pass blocking, a lot of the, the, like the running routes. So that kind of scares me if I am uh, playing in a PPR league and I have Devin Singletary, it's not something that I like, but, um, you know, th- this this will be a fun team to watch because we've seen their potential all year, but they're going to have to play more effective. Addy, who just came off of a, a good game against um, 
the Ravens. Um, in regards to the Dolphins, though, like that was a heck of a game that they played, and uh, Skylar Thompson throwing it 45 times. Like I said, even if they have Teddy Bridgewater, like I think that this game might be different. But uh, with Tua not being able to play because of another concussion, it almost kind of scares me for that for that man to you know see the field again because of you know we've seen something so scary with happen with um, you know Hamlin. We don't want this to happen again, and you know head injuries are no joke, and he's had two in you know three or four weeks. So that that scares me a little bit. But uh, Tua is a really good quarterback, so if he comes in and plays, I think that. Tyreek and Jalen Waddle still keep their value for next year. Um, if not, uh, you know, Tyreek is still going to be good, but I think Jalen Waddle takes a little bit of a hit if, um, you know, they don't have a, a, not a star quarterback, but if they don't have a solid quarterback um, under center. But I, I really like the way the Dolphins played. I, like they came out and they were down 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter, and then they outscored Buffalo 17 to 6 in the second quarter to make it a reasonable. Um, deficit, you know, being down 20 to 17. So it was, it was a really fun game to watch. And I give the Dolphins mad credit for everything that they did. Yeah. Only other question I guess I have for you is the Dolphins backfield. Um, do you think it's going to look completely different next year? Do you think Jeff Wilson sticks around? Um, I, I, Raheem Mostert obviously had, a, you know, a good first half of the season do you think they completely reshuffle? What are your thoughts about the Miami backfield? Um, it's kind of hard to say right now. Like it's another one of those backfields where they have a really good offense. So there's always the potential that somebody could run one in from the two, three, four yard line, you know, just off of a, off of like a halfback draw when you're in the red zone. Um, so, you know, that's always the potential, but it's not a backfield that I'm looking forward to drafting, like, you know, kind of like Buffalo, I really don't want either of them, but if you're going to take a shot at somebody, I think we have to wait for um, training camp buzz because Raheem Mostert, when he's out there, he does get a lot of the carries. And Jeff Wilson Jr. is also not a bad um, running back. So if they do a committee, I definitely don't want a part of either of them. Maybe somebody to throw in at your bench or a bye week if, you know, there's a really big bye week. But, um, you know, I, I just think that we really have to see what happens in the offseason now. Like if they go and they trade them, because they have, um, they also have Miles Gaskin that they used last year, I believe, and they used him a lot last year, and then he just kind of went by the wayside. So, do they maybe take that route again and get rid of Jeff Wilson and Raheem, or do they keep one of them as a backup? Um, I think we have to wait to see exactly what they what their backfield looks like afterwards in the off season. Wouldn't this be a great landing spot for Josh Jacobs? Oh my gosh. Miami, that would be – yeah, that would be insane. Or even if he went to, um, like, basically any team besides the Raiders that needs a running back. But, yeah, him being that kind of that kind of back I think would be great because he is a really good pass blocker too. So if they run a play action and, you know, take a deep – Jalen Waddle, that could really set up a lot, especially if you give Josh Jacobs if he continues to play the way he did. But, yeah, that would be – that he would – I think his value would be great there not only as a running back, but also as a pass blocker. Yeah, I mean, I think they had to rely quite a bit on Tua's arm this year, um, a little bit more than maybe they were hoping. It worked at times. It didn't work at other times. Obviously, they they had the most drastic um, win, winning streaks and losing streaks. And <laughs> also, um, you know, and his health obviously was a big factor in that as well. So 
you get a full healthy year of Tua and Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, and you improve this backfield. I mean, to go nine and eight um, with the inconsistency at quarterback is pretty amazing. So I think they have the right coach in place, you know, young, up and coming, offensive mind. You put the right weapons around them. I think this is going to be a team that's going to, you know, be a thorn in the Bills' side for years to come because the Bills, I feel like, thought the AFC East was, you know, a, a cakewalk um, moving forward. And I think the Dolphins will be kind of their biggest challenger. Yeah, that division could be, you know, if they all get their – like if if the Jets get a quarterback and New England figures out their quarterback spot, like this division could be one of the best divisions in football, just like the um, the NFC – what is it, the NFC East with the, the – are they the East with Dallas and them? Yes. Yeah, so like I think this could be similar to an NFC East where you could have three – potentially four of the teams make the playoffs just because of how good they are. Like Buffalo's not going anywhere. They have a solid team. Miami looks like they're up and coming with the things that they've done. And if Tua plays and new England's always stuck around and the jets made a really surprising run this year. And if they had a good quarterback, they might've been, you know, in the playoffs and potentially playing one of these games. So I think that that division will also be really enjoyable to watch. Yeah, the Jets would be a good landing spot for both Derek Carr or Geno Smith. Uh, Geno Smith obviously has some history in New York. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, if they're looking to upgrade and, you know, I think they're close enough that all they need is that quarterback piece and they could be a legitimate playoff team, you know, pushing the Bills for that division even. So, um, the next game was again a weird one but one that you know you see the score line and maybe it didn't surprise you know either Dana or I um, and that's the Giants and the Vikings the uh, the Giants come away with a 31-24 win on the back of Daniel Jones and you know and I just have to say Daniel Jones throughout his NFL career has gotten a lot of disrespect a lot of absolutely I can't believe David Gettleman of the Giants drafted this guy in the first round. He was a nobody in college. What are they thinking? Who is this guy? And he's he's had his moments, and he's had up and down. But this has got to be the highlight of his career so far, this performance. 24 of 35, 300 yards passing, two touchdowns, um, 17 carries, 78 yards. Just how versatile he is using his feet. Um, using his arm. I think the Giants have to give this guy a big payday. I think he earned it right here with this one playoff win. I um, mean, this is, a, frankly, a pretty dangerous team that I wouldn't want to play against uh, if I'm in the NFC. Um, someone that I think could give the the Eagles next week some, some fits. Uh, you know, we'll talk about that game down the road. But the Giants uh, – I think if they build around Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and they get themselves a number one pass catcher, they could have a really scary offense for uh, the next several years. So, you know, Daniel Jones, for me, I think he has now kind of cemented himself into that top 12 quarterback conversation um, heading into next season. Like, I think he's probably the 12th quarterback on that list. Um, not someone that I think you should go and draft in the fifth or sixth round by any means, but um, someone that I think will probably be a starting quarterback for whatever team has him on their team um, just because of his potential legs. Um, I think I heard today that he is only the eighth quarterback in NFL history to 
throw for 4,500 yards and um, rush for over 700 yards in the same season. Um, and fantasy football, having that dual threat is everything. Um, so not a not someone that you expect to have that dual threat. Um, <laughs> he doesn't look like the most athletic guy in the world, but man, when he gets out of the pocket and he starts scrambling, he's dangerous. He, he picks up good chunks of yards every time he, he passes that line of scrimmage. So I, I like Daniel Jones. You know, I think uh, he, he just he does his job. You know, he doesn't try to over overplay anything. Um, and, you know, I think he will surprise people, you know, moving through these playoffs, but also into next season. Uh, I think he'll pick up right where he left off. And if they get themselves a nice wide receiver that he can connect with, it's going to be dangerous. On the Vikings side, like, I think we kind of saw this happening. Like, they were the team that they barely won like half of their games by you know less than one score um it never was pretty yes they have justin jefferson yes kirk cousins can you know go off and connect well with him and now they have tj hawkinson who heading into next season like i think he's a top three tight end like i i think he's right up there with the kelsey and andrews and hawkins you know hawkinson discussion in fact i would put hawkinson probably at two behind Kelsey. Um, I just think he clearly is now a very important piece of this Vikings offense to have 10 receptions, 129 yards. Um, This is what the Lions should have been using him like, but I understand they wanted to go a different direction and, you know, felt like they had the tight ends in place to, to kind of pick up the slack where he left. So, you know, this Vikings team, I think they need to work on their defense. It's really that's that's what it comes down to. Dalvin Cook, as we've already mentioned, kind of scares me heading into next season. Like I, fifteen k, fifty yards, nothing flashy, and he's not really catching a whole lot out of the backfield either. In this game, he had, you know, six receptions for ten yards. But so I mean, a PPR that's that's great. You're getting six points there, but you know the the production with the touches that he's getting. Uh, it's just not the Dalvin Cook that you're used to, and it, it makes sense. I mean, he's getting up there in age. He has one more year on his contract, uh, I think, maybe two. Um, so it could be coming to an end, you know, in Minnesota. They might try to move on from him, but Justin Jefferson, I mean, what can you say? I, for me, I think he's probably the number one pick next year. Um I would take him over Christian McCaffrey. I really do. I feel strongly about that. Um, I just think he's a little safer. Christian McCaffrey's injury concerns in the past still haunt me a little bit. I invested in those years that he was injured. So, um, you know, running backs, you got to be careful. But uh, Christian McCaffrey obviously shows you the upside that he has this year if he does stay healthy. And you already mentioned, I think Elijah Mitchell might cut into some of his upside as well. And I, I bring him up every every week, but I'm going to keep bringing him up. I think K.J. Osborne steps up and, and takes over as the wide receiver, too, in this offense going into next season. Didn't have a great game here, did have a touchdown. But um, I, I think it'll be Jefferson and Osborne out wide with Hawkinson, you know, running uh, at tight end. So, 
you know, look for this. I don't think the Vikings will have 13 wins next year. I think they might go down a little bit, and I think Detroit might even win that division. Um, that's just my own personal bias, but uh, I'm rooting for the Lions. But, you know, the, the Vikings, I think, will be offensively good for years to come. So if you get any weapon in this Vikings offense, I think you'll be happy with their production. Yeah, and then I guess the Giants receivers, the only other thing I'll say is Isaiah Hodgins. He's he's really kind of stepped up over the last few weeks. Um, eight receptions, 105 yards, a touchdown, nine targets, led the team in targets, led the team in receptions. You know, I don't think he's their long-term solution by any means, but, uh, you know, if you're playing DFS next week, it seems like Daniel Jones has a really nice connection with him. Um as you know, they're kind of their slot guy. He, he runs a lot of short routes, gets it to him quickly. Um, so, any other thoughts from this game, Dana? <clears throat> no, not really. Um, you know, I I watched this one too, and I like the way I agree with you on this this Giants offense. If they had a star wide receiver, I think that 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 offense would be really scary. And their defense always seems to do just enough to you know, kind of get by. I mean, holding the Vikings who finished eight and one at home, 13 and four overall to seven points in each quarter, except the fourth quarter to three, like that's a really good job by that offense and they are defense, excuse me. And they have a really tough task against uh, Jalen Hurts this week, but I think that that could be a, a fun game to watch. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to next week's games here shortly. We have two more games from the wild card weekend. The next one is the Bengals and the Ravens. Um, and again, probably a lot closer than most people anticipated. Uh, Bengals come away with a 24-17 win. Nothing flashy, nothing exciting um, other than uh, Hubbard's 98-yard fumble return for a touchdown. I do want to rant about that um, here in a minute, but I'll, I'll let you talk first a little bit about this Ravens offense. Do you think Lamar Jackson is their quarterback next year with his contract situation and he didn't even travel with the team for this game. There seems to be a lot of uh, tension between the two sides. You know, they tried to make a contract happen this offseason, um, and it just didn't work. Um, they could franchise tag Lamar Jackson, so he would be stuck there for a year, or maybe they try to find a trade partner. Or if they don't franchise tag him, he could walk and be the next Raiders quarterback or – you know, the next Dolphins quarterback, who knows? Like, um, so do you think Lamar Jackson is the Ravens quarterback next year? And if not, what does that mean for Mark Andrews? What does that mean for J.K. Dobbins? What does that mean for any of these wide receivers that we think might have any semblance of value? And then on the Bengals side, clearly, I mean, this is going to be a juggernaut team. They're, they're going to be in the likes of Kansas City and Buffalo for the next several years. Um, you know, what pieces of this offense do you like DFS wise? And then, you know, do you think any of these, you know, weapons in the Bengals offense take a step forward next year, or maybe some take a step back and let others kind of take their role over? Um, from the Baltimore side, you know, I, I, for some reason, I'm not a conspiracy theorist by any means, but I was kind of, you know, thinking about it a little bit more and Tyler Huntley did not play very well this year when he took over from um, 
you know, from Lamar being hurt and, you know, they had uh, the other quarterback. I can't think of his name offhand. Um, <clears throat> but I almost wonder if Huntley played, you know, maybe didn't play up to his potential to kind of, you know, maybe not help Baltimore or help Lamar. I mean, but like, I almost wonder, cause like last year when he took over for a game or two for Lamar, he played really, really well. He played just like Lamar did. Um, so, you know, they were averaging, I think it was like 24 points when Lamar was on the field. And I think it was 17 when he wasn't, which is a pretty significant difference. It might even been less than that. Um, so I think Baltimore is in a really sticky situation though, because obviously they wanted to see Lamar play. Like if Lamar would have played this game, this could have went the other way and Baltimore could have won. So honestly, that's, you know, that, that's one thing to, that will always be a, you know, what if. But, you know, from Lamar's sake, even if he is 100% healthy right now, obviously you don't take that chance. You just got hurt and you're not guaranteed any money from anybody. And if you go into this playoff game and you get hurt again, you know, nobody has to sign you and your career could potentially be over just like that. And, <clears throat> you know, that's obviously something you have to think about for yourself. So um, I'm not going to speculate whether he was healthy or not, but just that was my thought process behind it. Um I think that if you're Baltimore, you have to pay him. I think Lamar is that franchise. I just, the people in the locker room, they just always speak highly of him and how much they like him. And, you know, the fans and stuff like that, like they really like Lamar. So if I'm Baltimore, I think, you know, I, I think that you have to try to come to an agreement with him. Cause if not, you have this team that's, pretty decent on defense. They're getting a little bit older, but you've got like Mark Andrews right into his prime. You've got JK Dobbins who just came off injury. Who's I think is going to be really, really good next year. if He continues to play the way he did this week. Um, you have Gus Edwards that you just signed. And I think you just have, you know, I think you have to get a receiver, somebody that can catch the ball besides Mark Andrews. But I really think that I feel as though you have to, you know, you kind of have to pay him because if not, you might be starting from square one unless you go and, you know, just let Lamar walk. And then Lamar might go play for like an Oakland or, or Las Vegas, I'm sorry, the Raiders or, you know, Carolina or Tampa Bay if Tom leaves. Like there's a lot of places that would love to have Lamar as their quarterback, maybe even the Jets. Like there's a lot of places that I think that he could go that would love to have him. So if you're Baltimore, you're in a peculiar situation just because of his play style but I, th I, I think you pay him um, and I, so I think he comes back next year and I think this Baltimore Ravens basically play the same way they did this year 10-7-11-6 and six. Um, that, that dual threat ability of him running and having J.K. Dobbins back there to pass block and run as well I think is really important to this this offense going forward just because of being able to set up you know, you're constantly having somebody have to spy Lamar on defense or else he could take off for 40, 50 yards or maybe a touchdown. So I think that he's always hard to play against, which adds another um, dynamic into, you know, calling defensive plays against him. Um, as for Cincinnati, I think that they – I think that they played okay. Like Joe Burrow did play pretty well. He didn't play up to his potential of what he normally would. But I also think that this was a good week to not have your best performance because you've got Buffalo coming up, which, you know, we'll talk about. Um, <clears throat> but this trio of receivers of Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, I think are going to be great for years to come. Jamar Chase is still really young. T. Higgins was drafted the year 
um, before Chase, if I'm not mistaken. So they're both extremely young, and then you still have Tyler Boyd who can catch the ball, and they love hate like um, Joe Burrow loves Hayden Hurst. He always seems to find the ball and almost found the end zone this week. He got down to the one yard line, but you know I, I think that the Bengals, you know, being a, being from Cleveland and loving the Browns, I think that the Bengals are going to be one of these teams that are going to lead the division for the next, you know, foreseeable future, unless somebody like Baltimore comes in or if Pittsburgh gets their stuff together, or especially if Cleveland can, you know, get their quarterback situation figured out with, with Sean and him playing well next year. Um, but I, I think that they're a juggernaut, as you mentioned, for sure. And this team will be really hard to beat at, at any point in, in the season. Um, for DFS, though, the, my last thing is um, I, I do like Hayden Hurst catching passes and getting some yards, maybe even a touchdown this week. And he's usually one of the ones that are a little bit on the, the cheaper end of uh, of tight ends as well. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, you know, a tight end that you don't typically think of, but one that I know that you like very, you know, very much. So and, and yeah, it was it was sad. They initially called it as a touchdown. Hayden Hurst was really excited and then uh ended up being down at the one. Joe Burrow ended up sneaking it in for, you know, quarterback touchdown. But yeah, someone that I, I think he does connect really well with, especially in the red zone. The last game, and perhaps Tom Brady's last. I don't think it will be, but you know, who knows? Who knows what this guy will decide to do. Cowboys come away with a 31 to 14 uh, victory on the road in Tampa Bay. And to be honest, it wasn't even that close. Um, You know, Dallas dominated in this game. Dak Prescott had five touchdowns. I mean, fantastic night. Two of those going to Dalton Schultz, seven receptions, 95 yards. Um, You know, I think him and Dak Prescott really have a nice connection so heading into next year, I, I put Dalton Schultz as the top five tight end, um, someone that I think I would target in the middle rounds, um, someone that, you know, I think he could take that leap up because someone's eventually going to have to to step up and take over Travis Kelsey's, you know, supremacy at this tight end position uh, as Travis Kelsey's going into his age 34 season next year, I'm pretty sure. Um but speaking of age, Tom Brady at 45 years old threw 66 passes in this game. Unbelievable what they were asking of this guy. Uh, 351 yards, only 35 completions, two touchdowns. You know, this this offense, they have lots of weapons. They, you know, they've won the Super Bowl in the last two years. So, I mean, it's has a lot of promise and a lot of expectations there to the point where I, I think Todd Bowles might get fired. Uh, I mean, to go eight and nine, barely win the division, have a losing record to have the greatest quarterback of all time. Yes. He's 45 years old, but to have him, you know, leading the troops and to not do better than you did. Uh, I just, I feel like Todd Bowles might be on his way out as their, as their coach. We'll see. Um, and with that, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Chris Godwin is also a free agent. So if Tom Brady ends up leaving, um, and for whatever reason, I feel like he's going to be the next Las Vegas Raiders quarterback. Um, what do they do at quarterback? I have no idea. Um, they have no idea. I don't think it's going to be Kyle Trask, who's their you know current backup. Um, you know, I think they would have to go and 
hope to to get a, a Derek Carr or a Lamar Jackson or Geno Smith or <laughs> something like that because they do have you know good talent on offense. Um, does Chris Godwin stay? Who knows? Mike Evans obviously is getting older. He's had an up and down year. This might be the last hurrah for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the for the time being. Um, so interesting to see what happens with this team in the offseason. Interesting to see if Tom Brady retires and then unretires and does he stay in Tampa? Does he leave? Who knows? Um, but Dallas, like they obviously scared a lot of people in week 18 with their loss to the commanders. They picked it back up. They answered their critics. Um, I thought they looked very good on offense. Um, Dak Prescott, especially, you know, he did not have a very good season. Obviously he was hurt for a lot of it, um, threw a lot of interceptions, made a lot of mistakes, but to go 25 of 33, extremely efficient, four touchdowns, um, one rushing, I mean, this is all you can ask for from your quarterback. And, you know, we're going to talk about next week's games here shortly, but I kind of like Dallas going forward. Like, I I think they could go to San Francisco next week and they could really surprise some people if they play up to this caliber. Like, I think they found a nice balance between Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. They pretty much are splitting carries, even though Tony Pollard is so much more efficient. Um, But I rest my case. We've been saying this all season long. (laughs) <laughs> um, but you, you, Ezekiel Elliott, a ton of money. I get it. You got to give him the ball. Um, and he is a much more physical runner than Tony Pollard. But I mean, CD Lamb had a touchdown in this game. Michael Gallup had a touchdown in this game. You love to see it. I mean, he's spreading the ball around. He's running the offense. The defense is playing up to their full potential. And they're playing good football at the right time. And, you know, the Dallas Cowboys seem to have this curse around them over you know, the last 20 years or so, but I legitimately think the Cowboys could make a run here in the NFC that I, I feel is wide open. Um, what are your thoughts about, you know, Tampa Bay heading into next season? We didn't say anything about Rashad White. Um, do you think he takes over the full-time role from Leonard Fournette next year? And then do you think Tom Brady stays? Do you think he gets <coughs> Do you think they go to rebuilding mode? And then your thoughts on Dallas, Dana? Um, Honestly, I've always liked Chris Godwin as a receiver, so I am going to be very, you know, I I really do want to see where he ends up. And, you know, if he he does get a contract somewhere else that's not Tampa or if he does stay in Tampa with Mike Evans, um, I think a lot of that is going to be set on whether Tom Brady stays as a Buccaneer or if he leaves. Um, If he leaves, if I'm Chris Godwin – I'm looking to go somewhere else. I'm looking to see maybe even New York Giants. He'd be a really good receiver there for them and, and Daniel Jones. Um, but, you know, that leaves the op- the options open for him. I also agree with you. I don't think Tom Brady's going to come back as a, as a buck. I think he still wants to play, though, um, even though, you know, even though he is an older quarterback, he still looks like he can throw it. Some of the, you know, decisions when some of the plays were a little bit short, you know, some of the throws were a little bit short. So, We'll see, uh, you know, how they they go, how they are going forward. And um, I think a lot's going to happen if Tom Brady leaves. And I say that because I think Len, I think Fournette is going to also not be the lead back here anymore if Tom Brady leaves. 
Um, I think Rashad White takes over because if you're going to go to somebody else and not try and you're not trying to win a Super Bowl, I think you might as well see what you have with what you got. So, um, but even Jameis Winston, when he was here for Tampa Bay, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are both top 20 receivers. So um, we'll see what, what quarterback is throwing the ball to them in Tampa. So um, kind of hard for me to speculate just because I'm not really sure. And if Tom Brady leaves, I think a lot of things also happen. Excuse me, including a, a new, a potential new head coach. Um, Dallas, I, I agree with you 100% on Tony Pollard and, and Zeke. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to see because every time, like, this is the games that Zeke's had all year besides a few good ones. And he was just scoring touchdowns. And that's why he was so relevant in fantasy. I wonder if it's a matter of time before they, you know, they just hand the reins over to Tony Pollard and say, here, go catch passes and run the ball a bunch, or if they're going to continue to, let Zeke ground and pound and, you know, get his 10, 12 carries a game. And I think that that cuts into Tony Pollard a little bit, but again, backfields by committee, I think also help both of the running backs from a health standpoint. So they're not toting the ball all the time and getting hit constantly. And I I do think that Zeke is a little bit better at getting those one, two yard touchdown runs because he is that bigger back that seems to have a nose for the end zone. Um, and I couldn't agree with you more on, on, on CD lamb. I think he's a great number one. Um, Dalton Schultz as well, I think is a, is going to be a very solid tight end. And I don't think that this Dallas offense, even regardless of where they finish is, is going anywhere in the foreseeable future, even in a uh, tough division. Yeah. It's going to be interesting uh, because I think Tony Pollard, if I'm not mistaken, might be a free agent at the end of this year. So, you know, they, they've already paid Zeke a ton of money. Um, <laughs> And they've learned their perhaps lesson from that. So are they going to be willing to pay yet another running back? Um, probably what he feels he deserves based on breakout season this year's, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I like this Dallas offense. I think Dak Prescott is the right guy leading them forward. And um, I, I think they, they could make a run here heading uh, into the next few weeks of the playoffs. Speaking of that, um, if you would, Dana, run us through the divisional round, um, starting with Saturday's games, and talk a little bit about the matchup, talk a little bit about maybe some key players that you think might stand out, uh, and then tell us what do you think, who's going to win this game, and do you like the over-under, or uh, do you like the line, the spread, What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm pulling that up right now. Um, <clears throat> you know, with the bye weeks, we didn't really get to see uh, Patrick Mahomes. And, well, really, we didn't get to see Patrick Mahomes and the Eagles. So I think that that could potentially benefit them to have that week of rest or it could potentially hurt them with, you know, everybody else coming off the good performances, being the Jags coming back from, as we talked about, a, a deficit and the Giants winning their game. So I think that this will be – I think that all these matchups are going to be good. We're going to start with uh, Jacksonville and the Chiefs. Um, you've got Patrick Mahomes and you've got Travis Kelsey. And for the Chiefs, that's about all you have. Uh, the defense hasn't looked very stellar this year. They've given up quite a bit of points. Um, but the the, the, I, the thing about it is, is like that doesn't matter when you have Patrick Mahomes because if the defense gets one or two stops, Mahomes could turn that – those turnovers or stops into points, you know, within just a few plays. And that's what I think makes the Chiefs so lethal, um, even though I wish they would have gotten, 
you know, a number one receiver or have kept Tyreek Hill because I think that made them even better, even though Patrick Mahomes still threw for 5,200 yards this year, which is absolutely insane without having Tyreek. Um, and then we've, oh, of course, we've, we've got the Jags. We've got Travis Etienne. Um, I think that he's going to have a, he's going to need to have a big game here against the Chiefs to help keep the Jags in because, you know, if, if Trevor Lawrence does another performance where he throws three, four interceptions, I don't think that that's going to be, that's going to suffice to beat the Chiefs. Um, the, the line is currently at eight and a half for Kansas City. Um, and I think that that's a fair line, but I don't know if I like that. Um, if I was betting, I would almost pick uh, the Jags for the spread because I just, I think that um, even at the end of this game, I think that they'll keep it close. So um, I personally like the Jags to be, to lose within eight and a half. So I would pick them for the spread, but if I was doing a money line bet, I would for sure pick Kansas city to win. Um, and the over under is 53. Um, I do like that as well, because I think the chiefs, I think this game could end up like the Buffalo bills dolphins game where it's 34, 31. And that beats the over because that's over 60. It's over 53. Um, so I like that as well. So I would pick, um, I like the Chiefs to win personally. I like the over-under of 53, and I do like uh, the Jaguars to cover the eight and, a half, eight and a half. Colin, what do you think about that? I think the Chiefs are just going to demolish the Jaguars. I just have this feeling that Holmes is out for blood, and uh, you know I have this feeling he's probably going to win the MVP, and – I just I think the Chiefs are going to win by maybe three touchdown spread. Like I, I really Ooh. do. I think they could come in and do what the Chargers did to the Jaguars in the first half, but they're not going to look back and they're not going to. Uh, and going into Arrowhead, I almost feel like Arrowhead has taken over as like the hardest stadium to play in. Um, you know, when we were growing up, I feel like. Um, it was Seattle Stadium with the twelfth man and the, and the Eagles Nest and um, the Louisiana Hawks. Superdome. The, the, yeah, the the Saints is always a difficult place to play. Obviously, Green Bay going to Lambeau Field um, with the weather in particular, but also their really good teams over the years have been a, a difficult place. Going to Gillette, playing against the Patriots in the past. I, I think right now Arrowhead is that stadium that no one wants to go to. Uh, and I think the Jaguars are truly dreading it. Um, supposed to be a little rainy, um, according to the forecast. Um, but I just think Patrick Mahomes is going to put up big numbers and and prove why he's the MVP this season and, and really take the Chiefs potentially to the Super Bowl. So um, I'm taking the over on the line, and I'm taking uh, – I'm going to take the under on, on the 53 points only because I, I don't think the Jaguars score much in this game. I'm expecting like a 35 to seven kind of game. I really am. Uh, so I'm going chiefs. I'm going chiefs big. I hope I'm wrong about that, but uh, you know, I, I don't think the Jaguars are quite ready to live up to the expectations that the chiefs have set for themselves. Yeah, I think this will be a fun game to watch, um, especially being on set on on Saturday at four thirty. I think this will be a good one. Um, Colin, before we move to the next game, build me a quick parlay, quick uh, four leg parlay. What would you What are you thinking on the Jags Chiefs? Whether it's uh, you know someone to go over under receiver wise, someone to go you know anytime touchdown. Whether you like the line money line like we just talked about, 
quick three, four leg parlay. What are you thinking? Because Sportsbook, if, if you didn't know yet, if you haven't seen all of the advertisements all over everything, Sportsbooks are now legal in Ohio. So there's a lot of sports betting to do. And for those of you that don't know, a parlay is where you, you predict multiple things to happen, whether it's, you know, Jaguars to lose by eight and a half and Jaguars to lose just the money line or Kansas City to win money line and then over under like we talked about. And then you could always throw like a, you know, you predict Travis Etienne to go over 49 yards, um, for example, like whatever they have base wise. So Colin, build me a quick, quick parlay that you think might be good. Yeah, I always like doing the anytime touchdown score. I, I think that's one of the easiest ones to predict. Um, so for me, starting right off the bat, I would pick Patrick Mahomes to score a touchdown himself with his legs. I, I, you know, either a quarterback sneak or one of those bootleg runs where he just kind of walks in. So I would pick Patrick Mahomes, and you usually get pretty good odds on the quarterback to score a touchdown. Um, so I would start with that one right off the bat. I think Travis Kelsey will probably be the highest odds of scoring a touchdown in this game. I think that's an easy selection. I think you can put him in your parlay and feel pretty com- confident that he's going to get himself a touchdown in this game. And then I like Jarek McKinnon uh, with the receiving touchdown. It seems like there's a real connection there between him uh, and Patrick Mahomes. Um, so I'm expecting a big scoring game on the Chiefs side of things. So that's why I'm I'm picking three Chiefs touchdown scorers here. Um, and those would be the three that I would be picking. But because of that, I, I would also pick Patrick Mahomes to have over three passing touchdowns in this game. So you know, that's another thing that you could put in your parlay is how many passing touchdowns the quarterback is going to have. Um, so I'm, I'm putting a lot of my bets here uh, on the Chiefs. But, you know, if I was to bet anything on, on the Jaguars, perhaps, you know, Travis Etienne touchdown, um, I think it'll be a lot of playing catch up. So they're going to have to throw, you know, quick passes to their, you know, backs out of the backfield. So maybe uh, Travis Etienne gets himself a receiving touchdown in this game. Um, but I, I don't feel as confident in that as I do with uh, all of my chief selections. That's awesome. I like that. Um, you know, I was thinking, you know, if I had to build a parlay, I think I would look to uh, Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown. Um, I would like to I would like to put one on a over. I would do an over under and receiving for Evan Ingram. And I would take the over depending on if it's like 40, 50 yards. Um, I would like the over on that. I would pick the Chiefs money line, um, even though I, I don't think the odds are going to be good, uh, like to, to add to your 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 winnings. But I think that that's a really safe one to to pick that's going to get you at least one, you know, successful hit on the parlay. Um, and then I think the other one I would do is I, I would look to do a Travis Etienne uh, and under. Um, I think that, like you mentioned, I think that they're going to be down a little bit. Um, I think they're going to have to throw. And even though I said that, I think they're going to beat the eight and a half spread. I still think they're going to have to do that through the air rather than with Etienne on the ground. So depending on the yardage there, I, I would like Etienne under, I would look at Etienne like under 80 or 90. Um, I think that that's more of a, not a home run shot because that's decent to hit, but I think that's more one where the odds would, would, uh, you know, a few dollars would give you a really big payout. So we'll move on to the uh, next game. Uh, Colin, did you have anything else you wanted to add uh, about that game? If I missed anything or anybody else you like? No, no, honestly, uh, I, I don't like any of the chiefs wide receivers in this game. So I, I'm not looking to, you know, do anything with Juju in a parlay. I'm not looking to do anything with, you know, the likes of Kadarius Tony or any of those kind of guys. But, you know, if you want to throw a dart on, you know, Zay Jones or, 
you know, Christian Kirk getting a touchdown or, you know, having a lot of receiving yards because they're going to have to play catch up might not be a bad call because I, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have to sling the ball in this game if they're going to want to have any chance of staying. Yeah. And also I think your odds on those might be a little bit better receiving wise on the, you know, say Juju Smith or the, the Zay Jones, as opposed to, you know, Travis Kelsey. So if you are one of those people that like to, you know, pick high odds and, you know, bet a few bucks to try to win, definitely something that is, is quite possible. Um, the other game on Saturday night is a divisional game, um, and that is the Giants and Eagles. I think this one will be really, really fun. Saquon uh, putting the team on his back uh, rushing-wise this season. I think that him coming off injury and him feeling himself, looking himself, has been has done wonders for Daniel Jones' confidence and this offense's confidence to be able to do as good as they did. And as Colin mentioned, you know, Daniel Jones was the – a really good runner last week. He was actually the leading rusher in that game against the Vikings. He had the most rushing yards and a lot of his runs went for first downs um, and, you know, and third and medium, third and long situations or third and short. I'm sorry. <clears throat> so that also is a huge difference maker when people think you're going to pass and they drop back and you have a quarterback that can take off and get you and, and get yourself a first down. Um, I really like the Eagles here. Um, I think that their team is really good. I'm really curious to see how Jalen Hurts is though if he is 100% healthy he's had the past few weeks off um, which is good for his sake because it's a long season um, you know with it being the 16 17 games I'm sorry with it being 17 games you know it's it's a it's a long season for them so him having the last few weeks off and then the bye week I think has really helped his health so if he's 100% healthy I really like him uh, going forward um, for this game, uh, the line here is Philly at minus seven and a half. So they're predicting Philly to win by seven and a half or more. Um, and the over under is 48. Um, so that is, I think that that's a number that's a little bit better than 53. I think that this is definitely doable um, just based on how the Giants have performed last week and how good the Eagles are in general. Um, there was a uh, there was a, a bet on FanDuel on Sportsbook FanDuel. That was um, Daniel Jones and uh, Jalen Hurts to combine for over 100 rushing yards. And I put a few bucks on that because the odds were actually pretty good. I think they were like plus 120 or something. Um, so I put 2 or $3 down on that. So I, I, that's, you know, for, for sports book wise, I really like that. Um, I think, I think Philly is going to win here by more than seven and a half. So I like them on the spread. Also money line, of course. Um, for those of you that don't know what a money line is, it's basically you predicting what team's going to win uh, just straight up, whether they win by 30 points, 20 points, or one point off a field goal. Um, so I like them there as well. And I, I, I like the over on this one. Um, so if I was going to build a parlay, I would probably do something along the lines of a Saquon Barkley touchdown. Um, if you want to really increase the odds, maybe look into do a Saquon Barkley two, two plus touchdowns. Um, he did do that last week. Um, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that again against the Stout Eagles defense, but um, if anybody has a chance to get two touchdowns, that's not named Jalen Hurts rushing. I think that Saquon's going to be the one to do it. Um, and you know what I think is going to be a sneaky odds pick? I think Devontae Smith is going to be a really good, um, a really good fantasy or DFS or uh you know, sports book pick because he's, even though AJ Brown is the leading receiver on this team, uh, Devontae Smith, has done phenomenal, um, you know, through the season as the number two with A.J. Brown drawing a lot of attention. So I like him to get a lot of yards. 
I would go over on his yardage. If it's like around 50, 60, I'd like to over on that. Um, I think he's going to get around 70 or 80, if not even more. Um, so I would like him. I would like him in the over under and an anytime touchdown scorer. I think that he's going to get in the end zone here. So I think that you could build a nice little parlay with these two teams. And I think that this will be a really, really fun game. Uh, Colin, what are your thoughts on that? Um, so if you have any thoughts that I missed on any of the players, um, like Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts, if you want to talk about them or either of the team's receivers, and then uh, go ahead and tell me what your line and over under is and then build me a parlay. Yeah. I'm going very similar to my last prediction where I think the Eagles blow out the Giants in this game. Like, I don't know if it was because both these teams had a week off or these are the two best teams in the NFL this season. Uh, I just, I I think the Giants luck runs out. I don't think Daniel Jones, um, I I think he'll come back to earth a little bit this year, uh, this week. Um, And I'm, I'm expecting kind of a blowout. Uh, I think the Eagles will score a lot of points very quickly and, Uh, you know, the giants are going to have to play catch up and I just don't know if they'll be able to. So, you know, I I like all your calls. Absolutely. I really like the Devontae Smith pick. I think that could be a sneaky pick. He's, he's been a wide receiver that I think Jalen hurts connects better with than AJ Brown, even though AJ Brown leads the team in receiving yards. Um, So I I really do like that pick. I, I not touching any of the giants in this game, honestly, like I, I liked your your call in the last game where you thought maybe Travis Etienne would have under a certain amount of yards. I feel the same way about Saquon Barkley this week. Like I I don't know if he'll be able to. Um, I, I think they'll be playing from behind a lot of this game, so that's going to limit his production in the first place. Um, so I would I would pick almost like under sixty yards rushing for Saquon Barkley this week. Um, and you'll probably get pretty good odds on that because most people will think he'll probably get more. So personally, that's my prediction is I don't think Saquon's going to have himself a very good game. So I'm building my parlay around the Eagles. Like, again, I said this with Patrick Mahomes, but I'm picking Jalen Hurts to have a rushing touchdown. I'm picking A.J. Brown to have a receiving touchdown. Um, And honestly, like maybe I'll go for like a Dallas Goddard um, to to have himself a a receiving touchdown um, tight end for Philadelphia. (laughs) I think they're going to score a lot of touchdowns. So if you want to go Jalen Hurts over three touchdowns, I like that. Um, or just over three total touchdowns. Might be a little less there because Jalen Hurts is more more of a guy that threats, threatens with his legs. But, um, you know, I, I think Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley last week was their, their Hollywood ending. And I think this, this week is not going to be as fortunate for them. Um, so I'm going Eagles big in this one. I think they certainly cover the line. Um, this over under is difficult though, um, because I could see it being again, like a 35, seven game. And if that's the case, you're just barely under. Um, so I am going to go under on the line uh, or the over under. I'm going to say that it stays under 48 points. <clears throat> awesome i actually really like your I, I like your parlay i think that those will be decent odds especially with with jalen hurts assuming he's going to come off fresh legs and yeah you know as as i mentioned i think Devonte smith odds wise for sportsbook i think is going to be up there as opposed to you know aj brown um another sneaky little maybe dfs pick might be like a daniel bellinger he did find the end zone last week i know he only got a few catches for i think like 12 or 13 yards um but a potential anytime touchdown scorer 
Um, he's a rookie and he's been great at finding the end zone for these giants. <clears throat> uh, the Sunday games starting at three o'clock. So no one o'clock games. We've got a three o'clock game and that is the Bengals and bills. I think that this could, if both teams play to their potential, this could be a huge shootout and the over under is 48 and, Again, if they play to their potential, I think that they're going to be able to break this. And even if they don't, I still think they're going to be able to break this. I think even if somebody gets the score, I think could easily be 28-21, and that would get you to 49. It would just barely beat it. But I think that that's possible with the Bills putting up 35 last week and the you know the Bengals having 24. Um, so I definitely think that that over-under is possible. So I'm going to pick that because I think that this could be a potential shootout. Um, they got Buffalo at minus five and a half. So they're predicting Buffalo to win by at least five and a half points. Um, I, I, I really, I don't know, man. I really like the Bengals. I, I, I don't know if it's because they're an Ohio team and, you know, Cincinnati is just a few hours South of us. Um, I don't know if it's just because I like Jabar, J- eh, Jamar, Jamar Burrow. I don't know if it's just because I like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I just, I really like them. And I, these past few weeks, I haven't really been impressed with the Bills, especially last week against the Dolphins. The defense that was supposed to be super good gave up a lot of points and made it a close game. And, you know, the Bengals did barely beat the, you know, the the decimated um, Ravens, but I really like them. So um, this would be, I think, one of my more riskier bets. Um, but again, just putting a few bucks on it. I like I like the Bengals. Um, and if I was going to build a parlay around that, I think you your odds would be really over under a 48 um you did the money line of the Bengals, and then you know if you wanted to throw a joe burrow two plus touchdowns in there i think could get you a really nice payday um assuming the Bengals win obviously we're not 100 percent sure on that anything could change but um <clears throat> i like that i think that that's going to be I, I i really do i have a gut feeling a gut inkling that um and i like uh, any kind of under yardage on both sides of the running backs Devin Singletary, uh, James Cook, if I'm going to go in any time touchdown on a bill um, that's not named Stephon Diggs, I think that I might look toward Gabe Davis. Uh, he had a touchdown last week and they really got him the ball a lot. And Stephon Diggs is just, these past few weeks has just had a really hard time finding the end zone. And it could be because, you know, this being the playoffs, they're putting their best corner, their best corner, best safety on that side of the field just to contain him. And, you know, he did go over 100. He didn't find the end zone. Um, but, uh, another good pick and, you know, Collins and talking a lot about anytime touchdowns, I think, I think that Josh, uh, Josh Allen, I think, uh, Josh Allen could get you that anytime touchdown as a rusher. Um, so that might be something to consider too, depending on the odds, but, uh, yeah, if that was going to build my parlay, I would look Bengals money line. I like the over under, and then I, I like Joe Burrow for two or more touchdowns. Colin, what do you think? Yeah, honestly, you took the thoughts right out of my head. I thought I was going to surprise you with my prediction, but <laughs> angles in this game, um, and it's for a lot of the same reasons that you mentioned. Um, I, I don't think the Bills have played well in the last few weeks. Obviously, it's you know be stemming from you know the trauma that they faced with Demar Hamlin. Like they just haven't looked like themselves since that game. Um, I think they've struggled offensively, defensively. Uh, and, and they're going to have to play their absolute best to take on this Bengals team that's on a hot streak. If I'm not mistaken, they've won eight plus games in a row, something like that. Um, you know, they're they're looking like the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. Um, and you know, I, I think the Bengals go on the road here, and I, I think they they squeak out a close win here. Like I, 
I think it could be a field goal, you know, Evan McPherson coming in and, and winning the game for him in the very end. So for that reason, you know, Buffalo's projected five and a half, but it doesn't matter. I think the Bengals win by three. So, uh, you know, take it under that line. And I think it's going to be a, a close game back and forth, like a, a 24-24 game, which is why the, the line is at 48. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, I think that's kind of what Vegas is thinking as well, is that it's going to be like right around that mid-20s score. Um, so that line, it, it scares me. It scares me, but I'm going to barely pick over. I, I see like a 27-24 kind of win um, for the Bengals here. And if I'm building a parlay around some of the players, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I like Josh Allen with the rushing touchdown. I've not picked three quarterbacks to have rushing touchdowns, but that's just kind of what those offenses are like. Um, I, I like T. Higgins with a touchdown. I think Jamar Chase will probably have the, the best odds, so I, I like to stay away from those guys if I can. So I, I think T. Higgins with a touchdown wouldn't be a bad call. And then to kind of run it back on the other side, Dawson Knox, he continues to score touchdowns, um, you know, the last several weeks. So he had a touchdown in last week's game as well. Um, you know, I think you could get pretty good odds on him as an anytime touchdown scorer. Um, you know, and Stephon Diggs, I think, is going to be this guy that everyone expects to have over 80, 90 receiving yards. I don't know if he's going to have that big of a game. He's honestly disappointed in the second half of the season. Um, he really started hot at the beginning of the year. Um, so I would almost take under 90 receiving yards for Stefan Diggs, under 80 even if you're, you know, you get better odds, obviously. Um, I think they're going to have to look elsewhere. I like the Gabe Davis call. Uh, I could see Gabe Davis. Well, bless you. I could see. Sorry, Gabe... sorry. No, you're good. I could see Gabe Davis getting a couple of big receptions. Um but I think this is going to kind of be a, like a back-and-forth, uh, close game. Yes, they're, they're two great offenses, but uh, when the playoffs come, weird things happen. And I just I feel like the Bengals barely going to squeak one out, and they're going to have a rematch with the Chiefs in the AFC uh, championship game, which was last year's AFC championship game as well. Yeah, I think that uh, I agree with you. I think, you know, as I mentioned, I, I also think the score might be 24-27 or 27-24 uh, Bengals. I, I think it is just going to barely beat that. But I, I do like your call out. And that's what, you know, and that's the thing about Stefan Diggs. And that's that's why, uh, you know, I think last week I lost the bet. I did go over on him to get like 80 yards. So he he did get me the over there. But, you know, this could be another game where the Bengals do shut him down because they know that he's going to catch a lot of passes. So they might put a guy over the top on him. Um, but I think that of all the games, I think that this game has the potential to be one of the most high scoring ones just because of the the the, the teams at play. Um, <clears throat> the final game um, is the NFC showdown of the Cowboys and the 49ers. And I believe Colin thinks that the Super Bowl winner is going to be in this game, um, which, you know, we, we can talk about that. But that's that's my prediction for Colin is that I think he thinks one of these teams is going to win the, the whole thing. Um, but the kickoff time is 630. Um, Cowboys versus 49ers. The line is minus four for San Francisco. So they're predicting San Francisco to win by at least four. The over under on this one is 46. Uh, we've got two stout defenses playing against each other in the Cowboys and the 49ers. 
Um, but the Buccaneers defense was also considered stout and the Cowboys put that five touchdowns on them. Um, I think that this game is going to be really close. Um, I do think Dallas does come up with the victory here. I think Dak is going to take a lot of momentum for running, you know, running amok on Tom Brady and being 0 and 7 against him um, or Tom Brady being 7 and 0 against the Cowboys and then him getting his first, giving him his first loss, I think is really, really big. Um, correct me on that stat, Colin, um, if I'm wrong, but I believe it was against the Cowboys. Tom Brady was 7 and 0. Is that right? That is correct. Okay. Yeah. So he is now seven and one against the Cowboys um, and Dak giving him that with a five touchdown performance. I think that he could easily do it again. Um, I think, I don't know what the score is going to be. I like the under of 46 on this one. Um, I think that both teams are going to score under 17. I don't, or under 20, sorry. Um, I don't think it's going to be as big of a shootout. I think there's going to be a lot of yards in the air for uh, Dallas though, between Dalton Schultz and CeeDee Lamb. Um Another, you know, over-under we've been talking about for betting is I like the under on Zeke. I don't think that he gets a lot of play time because either – I think they either give Tony Pollard the head, the lead role, and they got to throw the ball and they dump it off to him and C.D. Lamb, or Zeke just hasn't been effect, uh, efficient. So it's kind of hard to pick the over on him. But, um, you know, I think the Cowboys win this one. Um, so if I was building a parlay, I like, um, I like C.D. Lamb over yardage. Um, I like him over, you know, 70 or 80. Um, anything above that I don't think is going to be good. I like Dalton Schultz anytime touchdown uh, because I think the 49ers are really good on the outside, the perimeter guys for defense. But I think that they could uh, be a little streaky in the middle and Dalton Schultz could find his, his way in because he did find two last week. Um, and I like Tony Pollard getting over rushing yards. And as I mentioned, Zeke. So if I was building a Cowboys one, I would, uh, you know, I would go with Tony Pollard. Um, over yardage, I would go Zeke under yardage, depending on what the yardage is, probably you know, 60 or 70. I like Tony Pollard to go over rushing wise, even though the 49ers have a decent defense. I do like that because I think that Dak's going to be able to open it up for them. Um, I like CeeDee Lamb over yardage, and I like Dalton Schultz in a touchdown. But the 49ers, I think that you can do an over-under for Kittle yardage. I think that he's going to get – I think he's going to get the ball a lot from Purdy. I really like Debo in this one. Um, so I would go with the Debo anytime touchdown because I, I really like him and Christian McCaffrey's, you know, he, you could build a parlay just on Christian McCaffrey with over under yardage of rushing yards over under 50 rushing yards over, you know, 25, 30 receiving yards and a touchdown anytime touchdown. Um, so I like building a parlay, honestly, on just Christian McCaffrey, just because anything could happen where he could explode and he could get all the touchdowns for the 49ers. Um, Colin, let me hear what you think about it. Yeah, I, I love your prediction that you think that uh, I, I think one of these two teams is going to win the Super Bowl because uh, I'm a man who changes his mind every single week. Um, and uh, I, I think one of these teams will make the Super Bowl, um, but I, I've changed my mind on who I think is going to win the Super Bowl. Um, I, I think it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I just think oh. they're good. Um, so I could see like a Chiefs Cowboys, Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl. I think whoever wins this game will uh, beat the Eagles. I just, you know, have this feeling the Eagles are not quite ready, not quite there um, to, to go to the Super Bowl. But yeah, in this game, I, I like your call on the Cowboys. I, I think they ride the momentum from last week and. I think they're going to put a ton of pressure on Brock Purdy. Like they, they understand that he is 
the big question mark in this offense and can he go and get another three touchdown 300 yard performance like he did last week um and i, I think they're gonna they are gonna blitz him and they're gonna make answer those questions um which could be deadly because that might mean quick passes to McCaffrey or quick passes to Debo and that's what they're known for but you know I think uh the Cowboys are gonna throw lots of different question marks at Brock Purdy and see if he can respond um and I'm not sure that he's gonna be able to it's gonna be the biggest game that he's ever played in his life I mean last week was as well so um he always seems to step up to the plate so if he can continue to do that good for him but I think the Cowboys might be a little too much for him um so I am going to pick the Cowboys I do think it's going to be a close one and ironically you know last week Brett Maher who uh, is the the Cowboys kicker missed four extra points yeah that's huge NFL record, right? Like that is unbelievable to miss four extra points in a game. Obviously they've moved it back in recent years. So it's not a gimme kick anymore, but you're an NFL kicker. Like you need to make those. And obviously he was feeling pressure or, you know, was nervous or just wasn't himself. And ironically, I I think this game is going to come down to a game winning Brett Maher field goal. And (laughs) I, I think, he nails it, and uh, I think everyone forgets about last week's terrible performance. So, um, you know, the line is four points, which tells me they think this is going to be a San Francisco win by, you know, a field goal perhaps or a, a touchdown at most. So they're, they're putting it right at four points, those jerks in Vegas. Um, so I'm going to say the Cowboys win, so it doesn't matter, but I say they win by, by three and I, I'm going to take the over on the points. Like, I think this will actually be a relatively high scoring game. Um, I, I think both offenses have too good of weapons. I, I could see it being like a, you know, a 35. Um, what makes sense? Let's see a 35, 31 kind of game, something like that. Um, so sure. yeah, I'm going to take the over uh, on that big time. And if I'm building a parlay, I do like your call on C.D. Lamb, but I'm going to take an anytime touchdown score. I, I do think Dak Prescott, that's his kind of go-to target, um, along with Dalton Schultz. Like I, I think his two touchdowns last week is going to make him one of the higher-end guys, so you're not going to get a, a great number on that on that call. But uh, I think you combine it with C.D. Lamb scoring a touchdown, and you combine it with – I'm going to go George Kittle. On, on the 49ers side of things, it just seems to be Brock Purdy's favorite target, um, kind of his go-to in the red zone. So, you know, McCaffrey will obviously be the favorite. Debo Samuel, I think his numbers will go up after his performance last week. So I'm going to go uh, George Kittle, an anytime touchdown scorer as well. Um, you know, I, I like Dak Prescott um, to go over 300 yards passing in this game. Like I, th- I think he's going to have to in order to win. So I'm going over 300 yards passing for, for Dak Prescott. Um, I think he rides that momentum wave from last week. Yeah, I think the odds on him going over 300 will be really good this week as well. So if you're building a parlay and you're looking at Collins, I think that could be – I think that that could win you some money for sure. Um, Colin, thank you for uh, allowing me to go through these uh, these uh, divisional rounds and uh, – 
you know, I'll have, I'll hand it back over to you and uh, we can wrap it up and get us out of here. Absolutely. So, you know, obviously less to talk about this week. We did a pretty good job. We got it in, in about an hour and a half. So appreciate all those that are, are still listening, still thinking about fantasy football this time of year, obviously, a lot of people are uh, transitioning out of fantasy football at this time, but you know those of you that are still doing DFS, those of you that are thinking about your teams for next season, I know I am. I'm already starting to do some of my, my rankings heading into next season, what I think is going to happen. It's one of my favorite things to do this time of year is start thinking about those, um, you know, those surprise picks, those guys that maybe might fly under the radar and, and watching these playoff games to see if anyone steps up. You know, I think last year, um, you know, T Higgins really raised his draft stock in the playoffs with his really good performances for the, for the Bengals down the stretch and the Gabe Davis performances in the playoffs, I think really, you know, made people excited to draft him this year. So it, it is important to, you know, if you're a fantasy football player to every, every single game matters and these playoff games are going to give you some really valuable insight into maybe some sneaky picks that you want to circle on your draft boards for next year. So um, appreciate it, Dana, as always, always fun to, to talk fantasy football with you, my friend. And um, any final words from you before we uh, head on home? Nah, man, everybody uh, have a good weekend. Enjoy the games. Win lots of money if you're betting. And uh, that's all I've got. All right. Until next time, this was the We Love Moms Fantasy Football Podcast. See ya. See ya.